0: Good Wednesday morning to you. Welcome to Brewers and Breathing. It's time to brief you what's happening in the world of news, at least what's caught my attention. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? It's hot day, baby. It is, well, it's it's kind of like Friday today. It's my Friday, Bye, guys. Thanksgiving week. Woo! I'm loving it. Thanks for joining us here. How hey, you want to join us officially? Uh, you can do so. Like If you really want to get involved, besides just listening, you can do that by giving us a call or text on the brew lines number 918-756-3646 text or call one number will do it all again that's 918-756-3646 i appreciate all the texts this morning already coming in just to say good morning to you hi david how are you buddy i appreciate that and who else we got we got tony up in here good morning tony good morning brewer she says. I hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving and back to you. I I hope it's fantabulous. I really do. I hope every one of you have a great Thanksgiving. We've got, uh, it's going to be good. It's got family came in last night late. We got a little granddaughter in there. My wife is so funny. I don't know. I'm mean, like, she built this cage for the granddaughter and it's right in the middle of the living room. Like it's a big old cage. I mean, the thing is like a 10 by 10 almost. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like, you're going to put her in jail right in the middle of the of the, of the house here? Yeah, that will keep her in the, you know, you don't have to look. She's, cause she's, she's a year old now, so she's crawling really good, and she's walking a little bit. And so I'm like, okay, I don't know these things. Whatever works, I guess. Uh, so anyway, she's in the cage right now, the jail. Anyway, good morning, JP. Welcome to the show, sir. Hope you're doing fantastic. Hope you all have a great Thanksgiving week. And, and again, so this is my Friday. I'm not working anymore this week. I am done. I'm so done. I'm sorry. we just going to be playing music after, you know, Friday and all that. So just, I hope you have a good one. I'm going to have a good one. I absolutely am. All right, let's take a look at the weather. What, what's the weather going to do? What's it doing now? What's it going to do today? It's cold out. I haven't been out, but it's like, see right here, 31 degrees at Okmulgee Municipal Airport. That's official weather right there. National Weather Service says so. That's what it is. It's going to be 54 today, sunshine, north winds will be light, liking it. 31 overnight with calm winds, Thanksgiving Day, which is tomorrow. Is that tomorrow? It is tomorrow. 61 degrees, sunshine, and south winds 5 to 10. Now, that is a great Thanksgiving forecast. You're welcome. 32 overnight, Friday 53 down to 31. Saturday, partly sunny, 54. Saturday night, got some rain coming in. 60% chance of rain down to 35. Nothing going to freeze. Sunday, a much cooler 46 for your high temp. And north breezes. A cold 24 Sunday night. Next week, Monday 47. Down to 27. It's getting cold. That's like winter time right there. Then Tuesday, uh, 54. 54 degrees. So there you go. It's a nice fall. Great Thanksgiving forecast. And then it's going to get cold. What are the temperatures around the state? Brewer, we got 26 in the Panhandle. Whoo, 24 down in up in Beaver, I should say, not down, up, <laughs> That's cold. That's cold out right there. And then we got what have we got. Freezing line is, and that's right about Oklahoma City. It's over there. Okmulgee's at 31, but then you got Haskell at 32, and you got Silasaw at 32. Got a 29 in McAllister. So just kind of, you know, it's cold out there. That's all you need to know, right there. It is cold. And looky here, ladies and gentlemen, Fay Roy is with us. Good morning, sir. He says, morning, Brooks, two deer. <laughs> I didn't get any deer last weekend. I, I had. A, I told you, I think I already, had. I'm not going to go through all the stories. I, I just had a good time getting out amongst them. I did see some deer. I saw a buck yesterday on the highway running around chasing the little little thing. Uh, anyway, so, all right. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Appreciate you guys uh, for showing up. I'm kind of checking the internet. There are some people out there. There's Finland over there. They're listening in. All right. So what is happening in in um, in news? You, you ask. Uh, I got stuff. I don't know what. What do we got? We got stuff. Where are we going to start today? We're going to start. We're not going to start there because that's that's just the that's the same as that, and that's the same. I'll just delete that. So I got this. Look at here. How many of you like Clint Eastwood? Raise your hand. That's everybody. Everybody in the whole class. Loves Clint Eastwood. I mean, like, what do you not about like Clint Eastwood? He's just he's just cool, right? I mean, right? So and he's still working. He's he is old. He is 93 years old. And he's still making movies. I know. Now the last one I didn't I didn't think it was very good. I don't even remember what it was. I saw one of his movies. I don't know whatever. I I thought it was pretty lame. But anyway, I still like the guy. And he's making another one. He, it's called Juror Number Two. Likely his swan song, which means his last gig. Uh, so now he's, you know, actor turned director. He is filming in Georgia, Savannah, Georgia. He's been spotted and shooting a scene for, for the courtroom thriller featuring stars Nicholas Holt, Holt, whatever his name, I don't know these people, 33, and Tony Collette, 51. Now, I've asked this question before. You know, like when they give a story, like I'm reading the story here. Why do they have to give the ages? Like, why does the age matter? Featuring a star, Nicholas Holt, 33, and Tony Collette, 51. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I it wouldn't have been complete unless I knew what their ages were. Uh, is that is that not where you see it all the time? News story. Bob Smith, 72, spoke at the. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Anyway, that's kind of an aside. The project has been called The Movie Maker's Final Film, The with The Hollywood Reporter describing it as an attempt to find one last project in order to be able to ride off into the sunset with his head held high. I think he can h- hold his head high no matter what he does, uh, even if he didn't make this thing. I think he just likes to work, you know, and he still can't. And so I think that's very cool. Clint Eastwood is very cool. He did that bad. He is bad. He's cool. So anyway, see, that's news. That's kind of good news right there. Look here. There's Vicky. Good morning, Vicki. Stay warm and toasty. She's got a meme right there. And I know mother's in here. Mom, hi. She didn't text me, but I know, I know how mom is. She's always listening. Hi, mom. And hi to everybody else. All right. So, so there's Clint. That's Clint Eastwood right there. What is see. That's, that's heavy news. We'll get into some of that in a minute. So I saw this as well. We we talked about this some um, back in the day, back yondo, way back when, about arming teachers in the school. Haven't heard too much about it lately, but here is a story that has kind of just popped into the news today. 20% of teachers agree schools would be safer if they were armed. Okay. I I, I, I That's what I think. Now, 54% of those questioned in a survey done by the RAND Corporation say it would make schools less safe. So maybe we should do our own survey. It's be more official than this thing. Don't you, don't you imagine? We'll get all 12 of you to, to chime in here. And so while I'm reading this story, text me if you think it would be more safe to have you know, teachers or administrative people in the schools armed or less safe. Just te- text me more less more or less. Okay, seven five six thirty six forty six. I'm curious to what you people think because I am a firm believer in that. I-, I believe wholeheartedly that people that are you know, and we could we could have them get some training. Let's say you know, and not just hand them out. Here's you know, hand out the guns necessarily but I believe wholeheartedly you got some coaches and administrators and teachers that, that can understand how to handle a gun and, and we can figure stuff out. Like, I mean, do they wear the gun? Do they have the gun in a fingerprint safe box in their desk? I mean, I don't know, you know, where it's locked up and secure. We We can figure out all the details, but I'm a believer that if we have good people in the school with weapons handy, it's going to reduce the amount of, you know, death in, in schools when we have some crazy person wanting to come in and shoot him up. So I'm curious to see what y'all think. So this is uh, this a school, according to the National K-12 Shooting Database, there have been 306 school shootings in 2023. That seems like an awful lot. I, I don't know. It's like we don't hear about that many. 306 in 2023. Wow. And so I'm not going to read this whole thing; it's too long. I'm just kind of scanning around here. Survey done: uh, 20% say it'd be more safe. 54% say no, less safe. If you advertise places as gun-free zones, then they open themselves up to becoming more targets, says Ashley, a school resource officer who's at Columbia High School. Right, and that's the, that was the big thing: we're gun-free zone, and nobody's going to have a gun here. Oh, oh, okay. Um. And let's see what goes on to say. Uh, there's a lot of training and responsibility that goes into carrying a firearm. Not that I'm saying people wouldn't be responsible, but the teachers, their responsibility is to help the students learn and to add something like that onto their plate. Well, it's a lot, says somebody. You know, it's a lot to make a teacher uh you know, I think also teachers would willingly, if if the teachers were able and they were asked. You know, would you be willing to do training, add this to your plate of other things you're already doing in order to, and to keep the kids safe? I would think a lot of teachers would want to do that. Are you a teacher? Would you like to weigh in, let us know whether you'd like to do that or not, if it was available to you? He said the best remedy to arming teachers is to have a school resource officer in every school. Now, I'm, I'm for that, too, with a gun, of course, that knows how to use it. And if you can staff a security person in every school. Great. I just don't think there people got the money for that. Now, I don't know. That's that's a money question. <laughs> probably, probably could take a little bit. Some of the uh, some some of the administrative staff take some of that money over there. Kind of stick it down into the security resource guy or gal. You know what I mean? Standing right there. All right. So so Vicky. Oh, she thinks it's going to be more safe and. She's got a Clint Eastwood meme going on right here. Now, that is classic right there. That's classic Clint Eastwood. She thinks it'd be more safe right there. And Tony says, I know of a few coaches and teachers back in our day that would and probably did. <laughs> See, back in our day, though, Tony, because I know you're old like me, there were no school shootings. And we had guns out in our pickups. I mean, I promise you, Sayre High School, pickups, rednecks, cowboys, like farmers, they, they had guns in their trucks because we're going to go shoot stuff after school. And, and, you know, we used to literally, you remember this, Tony, we used to get off the first day of quail season. They'd let the they did school out. They'd close school in Sayer for the first day of quail season back in the day. Remember that? Sam Woods, I think was a principal back in the day. What a memory. Uh, what is Leroy saying? Duh, armed. So he, I'm saying that's more. He thinks we be more safe. So right, that's two. So we got two votes for more safe if the uh, people were armed in the schools. I'm just curious. We're doing our own survey. I don't know how many people were surveyed in the RAND Corporation survey, but we've got two so far that have weighed in on this deal. See, I'm pretty sure that's a representative of all of people. In green country, let's see, we got somebody else more safe. Along with other safety protocols, rural districts more likely to be in favor, I'm betting, when a school successfully defends against a shooter, and it will happen, more willing schools will be receptive. And some schools do this. I know some schools around the country have uh, teachers armed. They, they, they absolutely do. They don't have stupid signs up going, gun-free zone, gun-free. I just think, like, what's the point of that? <laughs> I mean, but this is how liberals think. I mean, the, the leftists, I should say, not really liberals. Was it, it's left. leftist thinking is put signs up that tell everybody there's no guns here. We don't allow them. We won't have them. And they think that's making you feel safer as, as another leftist person. There's no guns on the premises makes me feel less safe like i I mean seriously like I'm like no i'm i'm I feel better when there's more guns, that's just me, and of course, I'm right I mean you know you've listened to the show, yeah, I guess anyway, so there's that, I don't know, hundred percent unanimous with our group uh more, more safe, so we'll see if we can get something done on that, get people doing that deal right there. All right. What else is happening in news? What I got for you, people. What is this? Uh, so, all right. So let's get into some real news. We've got some big news here. We got big news. So we got we got this Israeli Gaza Palestinian war going on over there, and I guess they've struck a deal for an exchange of Palestinian prisoners uh, for some hostages released. And a ceasefire for a certain amount of time. And um, I I believe, how many, let's see, how many prisoners? I'm trying to see how many Israeli prisoners they were going to let out. I don't see that number. I know it's way more. They've agreed to give away 50 hostages or give up 50 hostages, likely mothers and children. And the number of prisoners will be, in the hundreds, no doubt, if if not more. That's kind of how it works. I know back in 2011, they they gave up a thousand and twenty seven prisoners. Israel did for for one Israeli soldier, Gilad Shalit, and some of the soldiers that they released or the prisoners, excuse me, uh, turned out to be quite uh, the terrorists, as 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 they, most of them all are. And one of the guys is now the spokesperson for the terror group in Qatar and leads Hamas inside the Gaza Strip. He's one of the masterminds, supposedly, of the October 7th onslaught. That was one of the prisoners. Right? So, this, so here's a guy in Israel, Ben Gvir. He's warning against this as a disaster of a hostage deal, slams idiocy as, uh, of the war cabinet. He thinks this is a terrible idea. This is what happened in 2019. Like we let a bunch of prisoners out. Now they, they're, you know, they go back to their terrorist ways, and that's what masterminded October 7th. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm a little bit torn, and I don't know all the particulars. Okay, I'm just sitting on the the, the uh, armchair here, figuring this all out, looking at it from my perspective. You know, I used to almost do anything to get these hostages out. I mean, almost anything, right? And and so. It's a tough, tough deal, and I think they obviously know that. And they, they always get way more of their people back than they give up, like one to a thousand in twenty eleven. But uh, we value people more than they do. I mean, they don't value life; they, they just really don't. They don't. They just want all their kids to be martyrs and die. and It's a death culture over there. But this guy, he's part of the war cabinet. He thinks it's the disaster is going to end up being bad for Israel. In the long term. So I, I don't know. if is, And I think there's going to be a, a ceasefire for a certain amount of days, maybe help us get all going like this. And he says, there's, there's no money going to the red cross. It's just, there's fuel, there's all that kind of stuff going on. Lots of stuff happening. So I don't know if you have an opinion about that or not. That's just kind of what this guy's opinion. And he's part of the war cabinet over there. Disaster. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I I feel like. Um, you know, support is just continually waning for, for all this, for them to really continue their I, I don't know where their resolve is. I, I think it's pretty, pretty solid to continue on to, uh, to eliminate Hamas. And I think that's what they have to do. They have to stay resolved regardless of what the international community does or doesn't do. They have got to do it, you know, and I think it can be done. I know people think that, oh, you can't eliminate Hamas. You can't, be-. well, I don't know. You don't hear too much about ISIS. I'm sure there's little groups here and there. But Trump made a pretty, you know, fine dust out of them and that, that was kind of into that deal. So I think it I think it can have an, an effect. I think Hamas Hamas can be eliminated pretty much. And destroyed, at least all their, you know, power. But the the real issue, of course, is Iran and what's happening there. They they back in all these thugs. And I saw Senator Lankford a tweet this morning. That's it's in the wrong category, Brooks. He's going to be in politics because he's a politician. I have a politic category. Senator James Lankford, Lankford tweeted this out yesterday. The Iranian regime is bankrolling and propping up terrorists around the world. Biden's approach to that is softening sanctions, allowing them to sell oil, and now freeing up $10 billion. Enough is enough. Did you, did you hear, I, I, I'm like, what? 10 billion? It was 6 billion last week. What is this 10 billion? I I just, I can't even fathom this kind of stuff. You gotta be kidding me. I mean, is this out of the open? It's, you wonder why people don't like Biden. It's like, no. <laughs> And does he have the power to do all this kind of stuff? I mean, it, it's this is what gets confusing to me, and I'm not very smart. I mean, I, I did go to Sarah High. No offense, Tony, but I don't understand very much. <laughs> I don't, I don't get, I don't get how. I thought Congress had all the purse strings, you know. That's kind of what we were taught and civics. And the president's got some stuff and the, the Congress has a person yet all this money is, and sanctions being lifted. And I, I don't know, it's like, it's all it's $10 billion for up to these thugs. I mean, you, can't, how do you do that? How does that happen? Yet, there it is. I'm sure it's happening. He knows right there. All right. All right. So, so, so there's that <laughs> speaking of idiots in the Pentagon, all things in government pentagon is asking for 114 million dollars to spend on guess what diversity equity and inclusion and accessibility whatever that is in the next year see we got a lot of people that are wising up out there we talked about what was it iowa state yesterday that the colleges or whatever it was that eliminated the dei but not the government not the pentagon <laughs> No, 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 no. We need 114 million dollars to train people on DER. We need diversity, equity, and inclusion. We need it in our military and all over our government offices. So we need 114 million dollars from you taxpayers to prop up this idiocy. This Marxism is what it is. Anyway, so they're asking for that, and so there was there was something I had. What was I? Where is it? I had something else about that. Let me see. What is it? That's not that. Uh, maybe it's. I don't know if it's that. <laughs> Could be this. We got lots of stuff to talk about. We really do. I got lots of stuff in here. Oh my gosh! I got lots of stuff. I got to keep going. There it is. All right. There's that. All right. Well, then we'll get back to some of this other stuff. Anyway, stupid, stupid stuff. Your government uh, at, at work, right there. Okay. We got we got stuff to talk about. How to decenter whiteness in the workplace, among other things. That. And so much more is coming your way. As soon as I can find commercials to play in in the Brewer's Briefing time. Oh, there's one. Let's play that one and we'll return. Stay with us. 28 minutes past the hour, 8 o'clock is our time, central time right there. And we're doing Brewer's Briefing. By the way, we podcast this program. I didn't even tell you that. I know you already know but it's on the podcast places and it's called brewers briefing. If you ever want to go out there and dig it up in the podcast world, that's where it is. Okay. And you know, some of these shows are worth a listen to and maybe you want to spread it around and, and make it ubiquitous. That'd be great. Uh, all right. so here's, here's something you can do to, uh, to help your workplace. You can decenter center whiteness in your workplace, a story from Forbes that'll make it a better workplace. Uh, decentralize the, the wideness of your workplace. The education is one of the things you can do despite the best laid plans of corporate America, DEI, which we just talked about, the Pentagon wants to go after uh, the efforts have been unsuccessful. Uh, they haven't been as successful as anticipated, of course, according to a recent survey. So we got to do better at educating people about diversity, equity, and inclusivity. Number two, objectivity within workplace cultures, there are values, norms, and more that employees quickly adapt to. How often do we stop to interrogate what is considered normal in our workplace? I don't know how often do we do that? You know I'm not saying that there's not need to be. look if there's racism, get rid of it, but this this is racism too. I think this is this not racism coming against everybody that's white in and, in and, and, Anyway, I think you don't fix racism with more racism. That's all I think. That's all I think. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be mean. I think any racism is bad, okay? That's what I think. I, can I be on the record with saying that? Can y'all write that down? And that includes racism against whites. Yes, it can happen. Some people are, oh, you can't be racist against what? Yeah, yeah, you can't be racist against anybody. Anyway, it's it's Forbes trying to figure out how to decenter whiteness in the workplace. Right there. Headline, headline news, headline news, Forbes. What else do we have? Let me see. <laughs> People are responding to that. I won't read that. And here's something you might want to consider. Ladies and gentlemen, this is from the World Economic Forum. <laughs> Your friend and mine, not so much. They've got a plan here. And the plan is to build pods, little pods, little... Little pods. This is to this is to solve the homeless problem, okay? The unhoused person issue in many of our cities and places around the world. So the WEF, the World Economic Forum, has a new plan. And here it is. The plan is to create these little pods that can house, let me see, what does it say? Uh one adult and two children, I believe it is. Let me see. It says it, uh, 200 people have said they're interested in having pods in their gardens, in their backyards. They want you to put these in your backyard. They can house one adult and two kids. Okay. They, they, they're they literally thinking that this would be what people need to do. You need to take a pod, put it in your backyard and put some homeless people back there. <laughs> oh, now. No. Now these things are going to come furnished, uh, furnished, furnished and plumbed, ready to go. And people living in these pods will pay rent, however at a reduced rate. You know how the homeless needed a little break there. And that's that's what they expect. And they want you to uh to comment on this. Russell Brand has this on his uh X feed and I I was reading through some of the responses to this uh great idea. And so somebody said they're just going to create third world shanty towns in your backyard now. <laughs> Fantastic. That's the answer. Oh my gosh. Uh, so somebody else said they don't understand the homeless people are rarely scholars. They're typically criminals and drug acts. That's what got them on the street in the first place. And look, I'm not knocking homeless people. I used to minister to the home, homeless people. I, I've done quite a bit of ministry to the poor, the streets, the homeless, I've been out there, sit down with them and had sandwiches and talk to them. And it is interesting uh, how many homeless people are actually educated quite well, and and you know they get into drugs or whatever, they lose their licenses, they have some bad things happen, they lose their job, they lose their lives, they lose their family, and then they end up on the street. And typically, most of them are drug addicts, or, or drugs got them there. You know, that's a fact. And the WF decides that the, you need you need to bring this into your to your backyard, put them in a pod. <laughs> they're going to pay rent. A little lower? What? Klaus Schwab, the head of the WAF, said you would live in pods, you will eat bugs, you will have no privacy, and you will own nothing and be happy. Thank you, Klaus. You a great idea you got there. Anyway, some people, what else are people saying? I love how in the pictures they're reading, playing guitar, and strolling, talking into a phone. Let's at least have some accurate representation here. Like, you know, get a bike chop shop shooting up and whatnot, some Narcan being administered, crapping in the bird feeder, et cetera, et cetera. Let's let's make these commercials real anyway. <laughs> uh I don't know. Do y'all think that's a good idea? What do you think? Think that's gonna fly? I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> And it's just funny to me to think about it. these people. I, I'm sure they're they're educated. I, I was going to say smart, but I don't think they're very smart. I think they're educated. I bet you a bunch of PhDs sitting around. I, I kid you not, sipping on whatever they're sipping on, and and smoking something. They got to be smoking something. Sitting around thinking about well, how how do we solve the homeless problem in the world? I have an idea, Francis. What is it, Yeah. We'll create little homes. We'll call them pods. People will volunteer to put them in the backyard, in the garden. And then we'll shoot some homeless people in the back and we'll put them in there. And it'll be fantastic. We'll get them off the street, put them in the
1: garden. What could be better? Fantastic. Let's do it.
0: You know what I mean? I mean, I, seriously, you know that's how it's going down. You know it is. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I don't know, it just it just makes me wonder. Scratch, man, what are people doing out there? What do they thinking? It, people don't live in the real world. They don't they don't know, do they? They have no idea how life is really this. It it's it's craziness, bro. Craziness. Uh people say, well, we're gonna put them in the gardens. Um what are we gonna do with our gardens? I mean, <laughs> well, maybe they'll work the garden for you. Maybe the homeless people, that's the deal. Look, you work, you, you weed my garden and you can have the pod right there. I'm sure, totally safe. You know, homeless. Put them in there. It's just anyway. It's it's bizarre. It's wild. That, that's <laughs> trying to solve the world's problem. Hey, at least you're trying. You know, I mean, they're making a, they're they're trying. I, I give them, Let's just give it up for you know. Okay, they're trying. All right. In politics, Vivek Ramaswamy. You've heard of that guy, name? Of course you have. was a guy with a poofy hair on top. He is out working like a madman trying to get this thing to the presidency. And I came across this this morning. He is in Iowa. Everybody's in Iowa, of course. That's the only state that matters when it comes to elections. Hang on. Let me get let me get this text. This, see, what happens is I'll move on to the next story, and you guys are texting in about the last story. All right? So I'm going to go to the phone lines. Go, text line. We will only solve the homeless problem when we solve the drug problem. Okay. So now here's Tony weighing in. Now, Tony knows something about this because she does ministry stuff. And, you know, it's just what happens. And you're right. It it's like that's what I said. Drugs are the biggest, I think, uh in, in you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Drugs are the the thing. That's not the word I'm looking for to that that rings on most of the homeless problems. The There's a big word there. I was looking for it. You know what I'm saying? She's exactly right. We've got to to solve the drug problem. How do you do that? Well, I don't know. Close the border. Let's at least stop the fentanyl from pouring in. That's killing everybody. And you've got cartels down there running the show. Cartels, drugs, cartel. That kind of goes together, right? Drugs, cartel, cartel, drug. And so we might want to stop that, Kind of at least slow it down, build a wall, something. And, uh... Man, we got we to gotta teach kids. Look, I know kids personally No kids that started doing drugs, and I would call marijuana a drug when, you know, they're like 11 and 12 years old. I know kids like that. experimental, just messing around in the woods, running around on four-wheelers, smoking pot, which leads to other drugs. Don't tell me marijuana is not an introductory drug, because I know it is. I know all about it firsthand. And then he tried the stuff. He's like, I want to do that. What about that? What about that? What about that? What about that? And then boom, bada bang. Next thing you know, it's bad. And so anyway, so yeah, you're right. Got to fix that deal. Somebody said, if pods are so great, why don't they try it first? And that's what a bunch of people responded. Like, I can't wait to see these WEF people clash up with the pod in the backyard. And the Hollywood types, they got to start first, right? You think it's a great idea? You go first, and then we're gonna see Meg and watch and see how that all goes down. Okay, all right, all right. Sir, so back to Vivek Ramaswamy. He's 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 listen to this. He's gonna make two hundred and something stops or or events in uh, in Iowa in, in the coming days. Listen to this.
2: Vivek Ramaswamy is going to hold two hundred and twenty plus events in Iowa.
1: Wait, fact check: Is that possible?
2: I mean, he hopes to do it. He says he's planning 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., 9
0: p.m. Uh-oh, hang on. The computer is giving me the circle. It's buffering. Is it going? Is it going to work? I'm going to have to do this myself, I think. Fine. Just cut off in the middle of my show. That's okay. That's fine. I don't need you. Trump probably got in there and did that. So they're saying, I don't know if this is his spokesperson or who she is, but no, or she might just be a reporter. This guy's going to do He's doing seven or eight events a day. <laughs> like, he's a machine. Now, he's the youngest one on the deal. He's he's, he's doing 200 and some events in Iowa in the next however many days, three, four, five, seven, eight events a day. And they say the Iowans really like you to talk to them. Get out there. And there's, what, 99 counties in Iowa. They're gonna. Some of them have said they're going to all of them. I know that uh, DeSantis has said he's going to all 99 counties. So, yeah, that computer just decided to go off the Internet. Just left. And you're going to get back. Anyway, so, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's got a chance, but who, who knows? Politics are weird. And maybe he does. You know, I, I don't know. But he's working at it, you know. So there's that. He's he's working hard. I don't think anybody cares. Do you care? Do you like him? I, I look. I think he's smart and I think he's articulate. I just don't think he's got a real chance. I think it's, it. Look, it's it's either Trump or it's DeSantis. I've said that from the beginning. I still think it. I think DeSantis is going to be on the move, and then the next year is, you know, I don't know all these trials and all the stuff's going to be happening. It's probably going to do nothing but help Trump, you know? So that's kind of what we've seen so far. The more time he goes to court, the more money he makes and the more people like it. So I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be one of the two, but Trump is still way ahead, I think. Way ahead. So um, I'm going to play this for you. What time we got? 840? I'm going to play this. I thought this was kind of interesting about electric vehicles and why the big push from the administration and, you know, The powers that be, because let's just be honest, nobody wants electric cars. I mean, I should say nobody. That's kind of a blanket statement, Brooks. Some people do, and some people drive them, and you see them on the streets out there. But a lot of people don't. And what's weird about all of it is how you see people like Governor Newsom out in California is trying to mandate all this stuff. Like, we're not going to burn any fossil fuels after 2030 or some stupid deal. They, they, They talk about all this kind of stuff. It's like, there's no way. Your infrastructure is not there. You can't even charge the damn vehicles you got now, Governor. You know, because they got all the, you don't charge during this time of the day in the summer because we have all that stuff. Rolling blackouts, yada, yada. You can't even charge what you've got now, pal. How are you going to charge every one of them other cars? You, know, you can't do it. There's no, so, so what's going on? What's happening? Oh, well, somebody maybe has uncovered this a little bit. I don't know. I'm Oh, it's not going to do it. My computer's being stupid. Oh, uh, this is this is maddening. I got one computer having no problems online, and the other one sitting here having all kinds of issues. <laughs> okay. I, you know what? Maybe I just need to reboot you. Sorry, sucker. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to restart. I've got more computers, and you ought to see all the buttons I got going here. It's kind of like a rocket ship. I probably could have been a rocket pilot, uh, but no i am uh, there's a little deal i was building i'm gonna reboot this whole thing i am not a rocket pilot i'm a a radio personality which is kind of the same thing i mean you know what i'm saying it's kind of on the same level anyway i'm rebooting that rocket over there okay well anyway so there's this this lady who's doing this video and she's got all this data about joe biden why he's pushing electric vehicles follow the money and there's these articles from New York Post and New York Times and and other ones. You know, you've heard of those papers. And it comes to, if I can't get this up, I have to tell you, it comes to find out Hunter Biden is involved in all this stuff. Amazingly, he's got deals with Chinese companies. He's on the board. It's got him listed all. He's got all this stuff listed out. He's on the board of these companies. So I can get that rebooted. up. To, what? got to enter the password. Hang on. Stand by. Multitasking. He's on the board of some of these Chinese companies. The Chinese companies are buying companies in the Congo where they mine the cobalt that is put in for guess what? Yes, that's right, because you're smart. Electric batteries. That's right. So, so Biden and Hunter and the Chinese, imagine that, are buying a deal over in Congo and doing it, but pushing electric cars. That's true. And she's got it all documented. And I have got her rebooted here. Didn't take too long. Where's my Twitter? See if I can get this back up here for you. Is there a pill for that? Let me see. Hang on. Stand by one. Where is it? Let's try this. I want you to hear this it. It's it's kind of revelatory, I thought. Let me, okay, I'm going to give it a go here. You ready? Here we go. Play. Play. Where's the volume?
2: The super
0: hard- Hang on. <laughs> uh, no, I want you to go through this machine here. What are you doing? Change, but I'm gonna... Okay. So she's playing and she's talking, but she's not coming to the machine anymore. Well, okay, that. that's not that's not gonna work. We gotta get you to the machine, lady. Right. What are you what are you doing? Just squash
2: that really quick.
0: Okay. This... All right, so let's back it up. This is what you get during this program. This is real live program. All right, this is not pre-produced. I know it sounds scripted. Sounds like I wrote it all out. But I didn't. And so you get the real deal. Here she is now.
2: Ever wonder why Sleepy Joe was pushing for electric vehicles super hard over the last few years with seemingly no cause? And uh, he, I guess he was doing it in the name of climate change. But I'm about to squash that really quickly. This is BHR Partners. They're an equity investment fund management company based out of Shanghai, China. They are controlled by the Bank of China Limited, and they have a partnership with none other than Hunter Biden. They deal with mergers, acquisitions, investment, and reforms of state-owned enterprise. Hmm. As of 2017, their assets under management was about 12 billion yen. Not too shabby. And here are their founders up here. Oh, wait a second. Devin Archer, we know that name. How do we know that name? Hmm. And here is where it all comes together. Hunter Biden helped facilitate the purchase of one of the world's richest cobalt mines for $3.8 billion in the Congo through this Chinese company. The competition between China and the U.S. in securing cobalt, a raw material used in electric vehicles, Wag, you're telling me that he was using his presidential political influence to get you and I to buy electric vehicles to get his family filthy, stinking rich, and it had nothing to do with climate change at all? What? No. Let's take a look at some of these articles, shall we? The New York Times. The Washington Examiner. The New York Post.
0: Anyway. <laughs> now. I thought it was climate change. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it's like, it's all out there. Like, really? Yes, really, really. Electric cars, man, saving the world, saving the planet. I mean, you, you ought to, if you haven't ever done it, you should Google once in a while. You should Google, you know, uh, Congo cobalt mining children in the mines. You ought to see how they mine this cobalt i mean you talk about primitive man i mean they got little bitty old kids barefoot walking around out there in these mines putting this stuff on their head sacks of cobalt taking it back to the wherever and that stuff is toxic man it is so inhumane one thing and then all right so then they do all the stuff and and they get a battery over here and you got batteries and the batteries don't last forever i know Newsflash. They don't last forever. Then what do you do with the batteries? You got to get rid of the batteries somewhere. You got to, what are you going to do? You're going to go bury them in the ground. Oh, you're going to pollute them. You're going to pollute with the, the plastic and the carbon and the lithium and all. the. you can put it back in the earth. Oh, okay. So it's, it's all this stuff that's going on. And then, and then you know, the electric cars, they they just get around a little bit. Like, I mean, you know, it's fine if you're living in a big city, right? Let's just say you, you, everybody living in a big city. You can tool around town, go to the grocery store. Go to church in your electric car. You're fine, but the rural people like we are, most of us, you can't do much. You can't drive out to your, you know, neighbors or your your mom's way out there and then get back on the same charge. And you got to pull into somewhere. You got to figure out where are the charging stations. Who's got them? How many charging stations in Sayre? I don't know. Probably one. Blind J, I I think is working on them right now out there. I don't know. Anyways, not many. You got to figure that all out. Then you got to wait. For like an hour for him to charge, and what do, what are you gonna do? Take a nap, read a book. I mean, it's not like going to the, you know, sh- 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 fill up with gas, going again. No, it's not like that at all. Cool. I got an unknown caller coming in. Let's go to the phone lines and see what we got. Here we are, and welcome to the show. Hi, what's on your mind this morning? Good. I got a tip that. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You calling for radio? Yeah. Do you have your radio on you? No. No radio. I have I have it on, but well, we're not doing radio just yet. That's nine o'clock, and we'd be glad to take your call. Can you call back then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, after nine, we'll get that radio right there for you. Right now, we're we're in a Brewers briefing show. Have you ever heard of it? No. No, it's a talk show we do yeah. every every. T- <laughs> he gone. He's not interested in Brewers briefing. Can you meet? Well, that cuts me deep, right there. I mean, I, of course, I was a little rude. I mean, you know, quizzing him if he had a radio on. And I knew he didn't have a radio on or he'd have known, right? And so he's mad because I was a smart ass. I can't hardly really help it. It's just my nature. Anyway, call back at nine, radio, at 11 minutes. Trisha, it will be standing by to take your call to buy, sell, and trade and give away as you're doing. A giveaway too. Have you heard about our Turkey Talk giveaway? Thousand dollars this year. We've never done that. We started off giving away turkeys. Right? For decades we gave away turkeys. Turkey talk has evolved. Now it's yeah, last year it was cash. <laughs> this year it's a thousand. I don't even know where the money's coming from. Y'all are gonna have to pitch in. I don't know what we're doing. I hope, I hope we have it when the time comes. I'm just kidding, we'll have it. So anyway, thousand dollars. That's in trade deal, That's coming up the next program. All right. So anyway, electric cars. Blah blah blah. Uh, I came across this, and I'm I'm interested in things uh, of religious nature. And I saw this on my feed. I thought, well, I might we might weigh into this one just a little bit in our remaining moments. So here's somebody out there on X that put this out. Their their title is Pray the Rosary. They're Catholic, obviously, and they say, okay, you might like this protestants don't have any authority to interpret the bible did you know that did you know according to this person and and i guess all catholics i don't know do you do all you catholics think like this protestants do not have authority to interpret the bible no the authority was given to the 12 apostles and subsequently passed down to the catholic bishops of today in an unbroken line <laughs> And it goes on to say that Protestants, the likes of Brooks Brewer, are trying to pull themselves out from being under the authority of the magisterium and sacred tradition, claiming that the Bible is the only valid source of authority, all while forgetting that it was under the authority of the magisterium, consistent with also with the sacred tradition, that the Bible was compiled in 382 A.D. at the Council of Rome under Pope Damasus. It's not like our Lord tossed a Bible down as he was ascending to heaven. He obviously had the power to do so, but rather chose to entrust it to the authority of the church, and that is the Catholic Church. You Protestants are just a bunch of rebellious people. What are you thinking? You you, you must submit to the authority of the magisterium. Now, bend the knee, kiss the ring. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny, and and uh, this guy that reposted is like people actually believe this stuff. He said uh, the frightening thing is these people truly believe this kind of fiction. I mean, firmly, he says, and most seem utterly unwilling to even consider that maybe, just maybe, that allegedly infallible magisterium isn't infallible. <laughs> It's just like, have you ever heard of this stuff? He, This guy goes on to say, I would point out that Jesus taught us to hold religious authorities, including those claiming a direct line to God for their supposed traditions to the standard of Scripture, Matthew 15, 1 through 9. You know, now, think about where Jesus had the most issues on the planet here was with the religious elite. Was it not? Yes, it was, Brooks. That's correct. The idea that there has always been an agreed upon magisterium or sacred tradition is, of course, to anyone with a modicum of familiarity with the church history, humorous at best. The anachronism, or the anachronism, whichever you're supposed to say it, is involved, is, is a kind of rhetoric, is truly astounding. No one in 382, or thereafter, thought Damasus, Damasus, whatever his name is, had decided the issue of the canon or anything else. The irony is, Jerome, who translated the Vulgate of Damasus' direction, did not accept the can- canonicity, of the apocryphal books, and neither did Pope Gregory the Great. This kind of triumphalistic abuse of church history is reprehensible, but incredibly common. There you have it. What say you, people? <laughs> oh, man, it's funny stuff. It's uh, interesting. Let's see, what is JP saying? A smartass you are. I know, this Yoda. Is that Yoda? A smartass you are, bro. It's true, I, I know. But anyway, this is fascinating to me, fascinating to me, to think that, you know, um, that the— I, I never really even heard of the magisterium. I, like, that's a new term for me. I, I, I didn't know. I thought Like, is that the pope? I'm going to look it up. What is it? I'm looking it up right now. Definition of magisterium. The teaching authority of the Roman Catholic Church, especially as exercised by bishops or the pope. The unofficial, oh, the official and authoritative teaching of the Roman Catholic Church, the Magisterium. All right, well, that's news to me, pal. I didn't know about that. I didn't know, I suppose, you know, because, I, you know, I think the Pope is, and yeah, it doesn't matter what I think about the Pope. But I think it's it's lunacy to think this kind of stuff, man. I really, I mean, they think this guy's, and they think that they think the Pope's infallible. They think Mary was sinless. The Immaculate Conception, born outside of sin, never committed sin, like no, there was only one dude that was Jesus, the only guy I mean, I don't know anybody anybody want to weigh in No, nobody <laughs> those Protestants they think they can interpret the Bible on their own, it's please. And this was, remember back in the day, the Catholics forbid people to even read the Bible, the commoners to read. When they, when they started learning how to read, remember the printing press came out? Remember that? What was it, 1563? And people started to read, learn to read. Oh, my gosh, the Catholic power mongers didn't like that. Oh, no. You cannot read the Bible, interpret it for yourself. I will tell you what it says. It says to pay me some money for remission of your sins. That's what it says now. Pay up, confess, and, and give me some money. Anyway, I thought that was funny and kind of interesting. I, I didn't, uh, you know, I, I'm not around too many Catholics. I was married to a Catholic for a minute, but I, I got her to change her ways, uh, and she's never gone back to it. <laughs> anyway, that's sort another of side story right there itself. And our remaining time, anybody? Nobody? Okay, well, let's see what else we got news. We got other stuff, I'm sure. Let me, let me look and see what we've got. Pods, we got Vivek, we got the electric cars, we got the church, we got so many things. We got so many things. And then we got the World Economic Forum back in here for you. Let me, let me just let me go back over here Let me see if we can play this now that we've got everything rebooted here. The World Economic Forum, not only are they creating pods to solve the homeless issue here, But they are figuring out how to get everybody uh, vaccinated. And you don't need any science to get this done. Here's what this lady has to say about it.
1: Two of the countries which were most successful in getting good coverage of vaccination based this not at all on getting their citizens to try and understand the science. One is Bhutan, which uh, th- where they were very successful in preparing a campaign and involved. They asked, they, they were sensitive to the country's needs, to the citizens' needs, involved in informa- informing the religious establishment and in fact using them in finding the right time and date. And they got fantastic coverage. No science was explained. The other example I know of um, is Portugal, where the um, campaign was handed to a retired army general. And the army general just treated the country as his troops and he rallied the troops. He declared it as a war that the country, in patriotic passion, was going to fight together. And they had up there. I think they were leading in Europe, if not the world. So no science. Let's remember that.
0: Yes, let's let's remember no science is needed. You just need a retired army general to force everybody to get to the thing and and, and and to convince people. You know, we're doing this for the common good. Come on, everybody. Roll up your sleeves. That's what they this is the WEF right? that that, you know, trying to rule the world, solve the homeless, and now how to get everybody vaccinated. And they're trying to figure out what other people did. How did they do it? How did they get people convinced? Because <laughs> Cause my God, let's don't let let them know the science, you know. Cause the science is going to tell you, some, don't get it. Well, we got to bypass that. We got what other what what do these countries do? How would they get it done? Oh, they bypassed the science. They didn't talk about the science. Remember, no science necessary. Just some other oh, type of coercion. I don't know, army general, and course people and. Over here, the religious establishment. We'll get them involved. We'll use them. She said, "The religious establishment, probably the magisterium, will tell the plebeians to come and roll up your sleeve, and that's what they'll do." Anyway, that's the W.F. working to, to get the world vaccinated with the mRNA gene therapy shots. Ladies and gentlemen, now it's been it's been fun. It's been real, but we are out of time. Look at that right there. It's 8:59. It's clicking. It's ticking. And it's time to get into the Tradio program. And I, I hope you guys listen. I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving. I really do. I appreciate you tuning in and putting up with me for the last hour. It's great to have you. And just have a good one. Be safe. And we'll, uh, we'll talk again next week. That's the plan. Because I'm not being here Friday. We're going to just play tunes, okay? So we'll see you next time.